In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Saints, when you think of the kindest and most loving and tender-hearted human being to have ever walked this earth, who comes to mind? And when you think of the nicest, least judgmental and most welcoming person who ever lived and walked on this planet, who do you think of? So I don't know who you have in mind right now, but the correct answer is... Mr. Rogers. (laughs) So a few months ago, I watched the documentary about Mr. Rogers called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And I was stunned to see how gentle and good-natured this guy was. Uh, I I mean, I I grew up watching him on TV, and, and this documentary showed everything that was behind the scenes, that the guy who was on camera was indeed the guy off camera. He was the same guy at work and at home. He was genuinely a nice guy. And I actually didn't think anyone like that could possibly exist. I thought it was a character, but this is who he was. And Mr. Rogers is almost universally affirmed as one of the nicest men to ever live. And toward the end of the documentary, and this is why I'm saying this, I have a point. uh, His wife, Joanne Rogers, gives this account at the end of this very documentary. Well, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers was on his deathbed he began to think about his impending death and the life to come. And he was afraid and he feared the judgment that God would speak over him. And I don't know if you know this, but he was a Presbyterian minister as well. And he knew well and probably even preached on the gospel lesson that you just heard today. Matthew 25, the separation of the sheep and the goats. And so thinking back on his life and fearing the judgment that is to come, knowing that when he gasps for his final breath of air and when his life is ended, he will stand before his judge, his maker, and he will be judged. And so he asks his wife, Joanne, this question. He says, am I a sheep or am I a goat? And she responded saying, If anyone is a sheep, you are. And this is a perfect example of what not to do. Uh, This is a perfect example of how people misinterpret the gospel lesson for today. They believe, this is the, the, at, at first glance, they believe that God will separate all of mankind into two groups. So on the right-hand side, he's going to put all of the good people, the sheep. And all, on the left-hand side, he's going to put all of the bad people, all of the goats. And so the goats on the left will have droves of, of murderers, of thieves, of gossipers, of uh, droves of Hitlers and Stalins there. And then the sheep on the right are going to be filled with dozens of popes and doctors and Mother Teresa's and Mr. Rogers all lined up there. And after he separates them, he's going to judge all of the things that they've done, all of the good, all of the bad, every thought, every word, every deed, every intention, every desire that they've ever had in their heart. He's going to judge them. And then those who were good will receive eternal life. And those who are bad will be damned. This is how most people read and understand Matthew 25. And Joanne Rogers tried to comfort her husband 
in his final moments, in his doubt, by saying, if anyone is a sheep, you are. And she's obviously talking about his conduct, his behavior, his life. What she's really saying is this. If anyone is good enough to get into heaven, then it's you. And if anyone is deserving of eternal life, then it has to be someone as kind and loving and gentle as you were. And if you're not a sheep, then I can't imagine that anyone else is. So she, along with many others, believed a false and unbiblical teaching that eternal life is earned by good works, behavior, and love. But there's a major problem here. Do you notice what the text actually says about the sheep and the goat? And, and, and the goats. You, you go through the text again where God gathers all nations. Right? This is final. This is uh, complete. He gathers all nations and he separates every single human who has, ever who has ever lived and every single human who will live until the end of the earth. And he will divide them into two groups. And when you go through the text again, go home and read the gospel lesson again and study it. And you'll notice that there's a huge problem. Because it's not just that the sheep did good, or mostly good, they only did good. They did nothing wrong. In fact, they were perfectly good. They fed, they welcomed, they invited, they clothed, they visited and helped others, even strangers. Now, consider the goats. They weren't just bad or mostly bad. They were only bad. Look at the works that are called upon to, to remembrance of them. They did nothing. And look at the sheep. They did everything. But these goats are perfectly evil. They never fed anyone. They never welcomed anyone. They never clothed anyone. They never visited anyone. They never helped anyone. And so it's for this reason that this text today has always been unsettling to me and caused me problems. And the reason is because I don't know anyone in the world who actually fits this description. I don't know anyone who is only bad or who is only good. In fact, that seems so black and white, doesn't it? Think about it. Think of all of the people you know, the bad people you know. They're not just only bad. And the good people you know aren't only good. If you're honest with yourself, you'll admit that there's a mixture of both in everyone. You'll notice that there's a lot of gray area here, that you see evil people actually do good things. You see pagan Hollywood actors and, who despise God's word. You see them feed and clothe and care for the poor by donating millions of dollars in charity to countries that are uh, starving and hungry. And then you see gangsters, right? And thugs love their mothers and speak of the great love and respect that they have for the mother that God gave them. And you see them care for their children. And you see thieves who steal to provide for their family in a loving way. And you see convicts cleaning the roads and helping the community. And at the same time, you see also good people do evil things. You see good people do bad things. You see those who bear the name of Christ fall into some of the most shameful vices and villainy. You watch as they gossip and slander against one another. You see uh, people who are churchgoers start to do 
shady things. You see Christians get mean and disrespect one another, lose their temper and get angry with one another. You watch as good people keep their money for themselves and give nothing to help the poor. You watch as good people let their selfishness and greed and pride take over for days and weeks and years at a time. The truth is Mr. Rogers even had bad days. And if he didn't, why do you think in the world that he's wondering if he's a sheep? Why do you think he's questioning? There's guilt. He knows. He knows his sin and it's before him. And if he really did nothing wrong, then he wouldn't have a guilty conscience. Because with sin comes guilt. But as kind and loving and gentle as he was, he still doubted his goodness because he knew, deep down inside, he wasn't perfect. And in all of this, you consider yourself. You're not just good or bad. You're a mixture of both. Even on your best days, you still do a lot of rotten things. And even on your worst days, you still have accomplished something good. And some days you're better than others, that's true, and hopefully you're better now than you were the day before, and you should continue to grow in knowledge of the truth and grow in good works towards your neighbor and love your neighbor more and more each day. This is certainly true, but no matter how much better your life is now and how much better behaved and, and how your conduct is now, you're not entirely good. You don't fit that description of the sheep. So no matter how good you've been or are now, Sin is still clinging to your flesh. So it's clear as day that none of us is entirely good. So who in the world is Jesus separating here? Who in the world is he talking about? How in the world is God going to separate all people into two groups if no one really fits the description of a sheep if even the best among us is tainted with sin, and if we all have something to be guilty for, where does this leave you? How will you be judged? How do you think of that final judgment? How do you think it's going to go? Will he say, you're on my right hand side and you are a sheep, or will he put you on the left and say that you're a goat? Well, I'll tell you. And I'll start by saying, that the wrong way to think about this final judgment is to believe that the sheep are sheep because of their good works. Listen again to what the text actually says. When Jesus returns with all of his glory and with all of his angels with him, he will gather all nations together, then separate the one from the other, and he will place the sheep on his right hand side and the goats on the left. Then pay attention to this part. The king will say to those on his right, those sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom of heaven prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Then and only then, after Christ has said this, he goes on to list their good works. So what does this mean? It means this. That the sheep, that they're not judged to be sheep because of their good works. Rather, only their good works are judged because they are sheep. So I'll say it again. They're not judged to be sheep because of their good works, but rather only their good works are considered and judged because they are sheep. 
Think about this. Are, are, are you following along with, with what's happening here? It's beautiful. God doesn't say to the sheep, I'm going to count up all of your good works, and if your good works total and, and are more than your bad ones, then I'm going to call you sheep and I'm going to consider you uh, worthy of eternal life. He says the exact opposite. He does what is contrary to what we think. He says, look, you are my sheep. The division already happened. And he says, look, you're my sheep, and I've chosen you to be my sheep before I ever created this world. And because you are my sheep, because you are blessed by my Father in heaven, because all of your sins have been forgiven by the blood of Christ and washed away, when I count your works, I can only count the good ones. Because the bad ones are gone. They're forgiven. You have zero sins attributed to you. So there's nothing to count. And why? Because all of the evil, all of the bad thoughts, all of the hurtful words, all of the neglect, all of the wicked intentions that you've committed in this life have been washed away. They've been separated from you as far as the east is from the west. God has balled them up and cast them into the depths of the sea, and he promises he will remember them no more. So when the Lord looks at you, when he says, look, I look at you and when I judge you, I see no sin, I see no error, I see no mistake, no evil, and no guilt upon you. When I look at you, all that is left is the good that I've done through you. All that is left is the goodness, the holiness, and the blessedness that I've clothed you with. And when I see you, I only see good. And this is exactly what Jesus teaches us today. Sheep don't become sheep by their own efforts and works. Rather, they are considered sheep because they have been blessed by the Father. The sheep didn't earn or merit the kingdom of heaven. They inherited it. And you cannot earn an inheritance. You simply receive it. More than that, we know for a fact that these sheep are saved and that they receive eternal life, not because they earned it, but because it was given to them. Because the king says, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So this means that even before the sheep existed, even before they could lift a finger to feed or to clothe or to welcome or visit anyone, God had already determined before the foundation of the world to give them the kingdom of heaven and to give them eternal life. And then you might ask, what about the goats? The goats receive the exact opposite judgment from the sheep. God tells the sheep, come here, and the goats, he says, depart. To the sheep, he says, you who are blessed. And to the goats, he says, you cursed. To the sheep, he says, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. And to the goats, he says, go to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And if you catch that, you'll hear what he's saying. That the kingdom of heaven was prepared for you. But the eternal fire of hell wasn't created and prepared for humans. It was created for the devil and his angels. And even though God didn't create hell for any human being, there will still be many goats and many people from this life in hell. And they'll be there not because God desired it or chose it or predestined them or elected them to suffer in hell. Rather, they'll be there because they chose to reject Christ in unbelief. And because of their unbelief, not one good thing they did will be remembered. So this is the stark contrast. Remember what scripture says in Hebrews 11. Without faith, it is impossible 
to please God. Therefore, because they had no faith, they had no good works. No matter how good their works might have looked on the outside and in this life, in this world, no matter how many millions of dollars and billions of dollars that they poured into charity, and no matter how many hungry mouths they fed, Scripture says that their righteous acts are like filthy rags before his throne. They're not counted as good. So when God judges them, because they have no faith in the righteousness of Christ, because they reject the forgiveness of Christ, God will find nothing good in them but only their sin, even their good works that fall short of his glory. So the judgment is that all of their works are evil. Even their best works are soiled in pride and drenched in conceit. And this is all because they trusted in their works and they had no faith in Christ. So this text serves as a warning for us. It warns us against trusting in our own works and merits. And if you trust in yourself, your good works, and your behavior to earn your eternal life, then you will be eternally damned with all the other goats who have done the same. But when you repent and take your eyes off of yourself and fix them on Christ, who is the author and perfecter of your faith, and when you claim the wounds of Christ as your own, then Christ, your judge, has made you his sheep, and he will bless you with eternal life that he prepared for you before this world came into existence. So when you're in your final hour and you're tempted to question and doubt, like Mr. Rogers or any other person going through death, what God's final judgment upon you is going to be. Don't you dare look back on your life and your good works. Don't you even put your trust in how kind and meek and gentle you were. Don't for a second try and justify yourself and your deeds. While others will point you to your works to give you comfort, I will point you to Christ. And I will teach you, along with every other apostle of Christ, to take your eyes off of yourself and to look to the cross and see how Christ, your dear Lord, suffered the condemnation that this world deserved. When you're tempted to ask, am I a sheep? Don't look to the left or to the right. You look straight ahead to the cross and you believe in Christ, your dear Lord. You see how the Lamb of God makes you his dear lamb, how he makes you his own sheep. So you put your faith in the stripes and the wounds and the bruises of Christ, who is determined to bless you, but planned to save you from before the foundation of the world. And you see how your dear Lord suffered the wrath of God your place so that you would receive eternal life who was raised for your justification so when you're weighed down by all of your sin and sorrow and when you fear what god's judgment upon you that final day will be remember that the god who will judge you is the same god who died for you it's the same god who poured the blood from his veins for you Remember that the one who has called you out of your sin is the same one who forgives it. Remember that no matter how much your sin and guilt may overwhelm you, you have a God who says this. Behold, this is from Isaiah 43. He fulfills this promise on judgment day. Behold, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. 
So when you're in your final moments and your sin and your guilt come rushing back to the front of your head to haunt you and to lead you into despair, repent of those sins and forget them because God already has. Don't run back and dig up those evil works and deeds. Leave your sins buried deep in the tomb where Jesus left them, lifeless, no claim over you. Take comfort that God will not judge you according to your sin, but he will judge you according to the righteousness of Christ who sanctifies you. And he will count every good thing and those things will remain and all of the evil is gone and forgiven and washed away in a flood of his blood. And as you feed and eat his body and blood, you will be forgiven for all of your sins. So you put your faith in Christ, your most loving and kind-hearted Lord, who suffered the pangs of death to give you eternal life. So put your faith in Christ and in that final judgment, you will not be condemned. As your king tells you, come. Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Hear the words of the hymn we sang today. Then woe to those who scorned the Lord and sought but carnal pleasures who here despised his precious word and loved their earthly treasures. With shame and trembling, they will stand and at the judge's stern command to Satan be delivered. But my Savior paid the debt I owe, and for my sin was smitten. Within the book of life, I know my name has now been written. I will not doubt, for I am free, and Satan cannot threaten me. There is no condemnation. O Jesus Christ, do not delay, but hasten our salvation. We often tremble on our way in fear and tribulation. O hear and grant our fervent plea. Come, mighty judge, and set us free from death and every evil. Peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.